0: good evening everyone um welcome to this evening's membership virtual q a panel i'm talking mcdonald chief executive uh, at the club and tonight i'm joined by our director of rugby uh, stuart hooper our head coach neil hatley uh, and also rory McConaughey and josh bayless um huge thank you from everyone at the club to all of you our members and we also have Uh, a few shirt sponsors and annual hospitality partners attending this evening thank you all for your support and especially those of you who have also donated to the club on top of uh, your membership this evening is the first of a series of uh, monthly membership events uh, throughout the season Um, the focus tonight is rugby future events will also cover broader club matters uh, stadium and and also uh, Bath Rugby Foundation. In addition, we're also going to be providing you with much more specific uh, behind-the-scenes uh, content from training and about team selection, uh, more on all of that later this month. So in terms of this evening, uh, the format is as follows. We've broken it down into three main sections, our game, uh, our squad, uh, training and preparation. You will uh, see and hear from the panel and at the end of each section we will take questions uh, from you as members take questions from the floor jojo uh, from our team is monitoring the questions and at the end of each section so uh, at the end of the section on our game uh, questions around our game that haven't been addressed through the panel jojo will pose those to the panel so there'll be, there'll be time for that and uh, we'll be focusing uh, both on the short and the immediate term, as well as looking further ahead and revisiting our long-term plan. So uh, without further ado, um, we'll get started and and talk about our game. And and Stuart, I'll start with you. Um, Friday night, I'll start with Friday night against Bristol. It was uh, was tough um, for everyone, players, uh, staff and supporters. We restarted last season in August with some great performances and played our way into the semi-finals and this season it feels like we've not managed to build on that it feels like we've stuttered and and possibly gone backwards can you talk about the key areas that you and the team are focused on to to rediscover our restart form
1: yeah thanks uh, good evening everybody uh great to see so many of you on here tonight yeah i'll, I'll um i'll talk talk about um on friday i guess is the uh, most recent game we've had and ultimately not wanting to hide behind anything you know it was it was a performance that um we were massively disappointed with and, and hurt everybody um and you know we expect far more from ourselves um on and off the field to allow a performance like that to to be the case so yes it was it hurt um for everyone i'm sure um involved in the club and watching but um you know the work's been going in consistent work's been going in to you know, to right some wrongs from that and keep developing our game. Um, the, the question around restart versus now is one which gets asked a lot, um, rightly so. You know, there's there's a fair bit. Um, of course, you, you know, it's our most recent experience as a team. It's our most recent experience of as supporters of this team. And and you know, the guys did fantastically well and, and took us to that semi final. Um, there's a number of things that are different, um, all of which, on one hand, are factors. You know, and and are things that we have to deal with. They're there, they're, they're real and um, player availability, consistency of the program, um, consistency of international players being around. All those things are factors in where we find ourselves now. None of them are excuses, but they're all factors. Um, and you know what, what we need to do and what we're determined to do is to to knit together the bits we've been doing well and uh, you know cut out the bits we've been doing badly and, and get back to that form that we showed at the back end of last year and, and also go beyond that because um, we loved it, we enjoyed it. Everyone was working incredibly hard as they are now, but the reward was, was shown on the weekends with the 80 minutes. And of course, we, you know, we're going to get judged on the 80 minutes and rightly so.
0: And um, Hats, if I turn to you, we'll, we'll get into a bit more detail around uh, what we've seen this season versus last in our game. Um, but before we do that, you were appointed as head coach back in August last year, just before we restarted. Before we get into those details, can you just explain a little bit more about your role, era's responsibility, how that fits with
2: Stuart and the other coaches? Um, yep. Yeah, so obviously the role of head coach, I'm responsible for on-field performance. Um, so obviously looking at at all aspects of the game on field obviously i I, I link up with Stu on this and and the the four other coaches gerv ryan lills and charts um ultimately i'm responsible for preview review um and the performance on the pitch uh so that's that's the major part of it then alongside Stuart, it's it's improving the pathway in around the club um building up the the values of the club the culture for the club which is a responsibility for everybody involved um but one of my primary functions so those are those are the main ones and
0: from your perspective stu spoke a little bit about what we've seen this season um versus last can you build on that a little bit and talk specifically about what you're focused on to build our performances as we head into firstly saturday's game against queens and then beyond that the this next block of premiership fixtures
2: yeah, you know, we looked. Um, I think as a club, where where we went through um, post lockdown, you know, where our, our set piece was very dominant. We, we had obviously a full house of players. The set piece was very dominant. We were defending exceptionally well, defending pretty well, um, and we were scoring lots of tries in transition off the back of defence. Um, you know, off the back of, of, of opposition turnover again, and particularly from said piece, so tries from said piece, not just tank, uh, uh, sorry, malls and scrums, but play from there. Um, so looking this year now, where we are now, um, we, we prioritise, we wanted to prioritise attack more. We feel that the, the club's history, the club's DNA is, is around an attacking focus. Um, and we wanted to put more time into that. So that's a balance that I've got wrong. Um, you know, we're we've been really focused over the last sort of week to ten days, more and more in defence, um, because we've conceded 36, 52 and forty eight points um, in the last three games. So that's clearly not good enough for for anyone's standard. So we're putting a little, a lot more detail um, in and around the fence, and just realigning what we do with some of that training time.
0: And um, hats. So talking about that. A little bit more, and maybe we'll come on and talk about um defence. I know there are some specific areas of focus in the games which are really important to the way um that we want to play. And um maybe you can talk around those. And I I don't know within that if kind of where you're starting, if you've got something around sort of defence and just getting into a little bit more detail around what those adjustments that that you're able to to make and how quickly can they have an impact um, you know, heading into Saturday's game.
2: Yeah, I think you know the, one of the big areas where we haven't been anywhere near as efficient is our transition defence. So from from set piece, from line out, from scrum, um, you know we've defended we've defended pretty well, but where we haven't defended well is off turnovers, of transition, um, things like that. You know the was game sticks out, Bristol game sticks out. Sort of four or five of the tries were were when we had the ball to start off with. So looking off the ball better. Um, but then our ability to to flick between attack and to defence. So it's the same group of players. It's very much the same structure. You know, post lockdown, I think up until the semi-final, we had from lockdown when we came back to to the first round of semi-final, we had the best defence in the league in terms of points scored um, and tries conceded. So it's the same group. Um, it's the same group. It's the same structure. Um, it's been coached a little bit differently. Um, so look like i said to you the, the big area is what we do in transition how we react to, to turnovers um, and and how we regain our shape and get control back within two to three phases
0: yeah so we talked a little bit about um defense and we talked a little bit about there about um attack is uh i mean hats we um what we saw in restart was really solid platform as well in terms of our uh set piece you talked about our tank and our mall as well can you just sort of talk in terms of where we are there that's still you know that that's that's an area those are areas of our game that we still really see as a strength and want to deliver as a strength can you just talk about our, our core fund- fundamentals as well
2: yeah obviously you know to, to do well in this league set piece is hugely important so you know you looked at the, the scrum obviously the the scrum Post post lockdown um, and the line out, with, with the players available, you know, to be able to have, bring, stop Benno, bring Boise on or Boise with Benno, um, Josh McNally, Will Spencer, Charlie Ewells. Not everyone's been available, so consistency has been an issue um, in terms of building up those partnerships. Um, so, w- with some of the you know, reactions to COVID and having people available, not available, that's made it a little bit more difficult. But in in terms of our, our line accuracy you know i think charts is, is doing a really really good job there um we're we're one of the better sides in the league in terms of our line success so that's that still remains a priority for us you know we're um we're making sure that we address that every week you know we, we go live scrums we've got live scrums again today um albeit with some younger players uh and we're looking again to keep building on that that scrum and and that drive you know they are fundamentals in our league but it's also something that this club's you know in my previous time before and even my time now um that we pride ourselves on so look those fundamentals you will never move massively away from in terms of set piece
0: i think we um i'll kind of move on from those areas stuart i'll i'll come back to you so um like there's obviously the fundamentals to our game around um set piece um you know, exits breakdown. there's um yeah, Hats, you talk very openly there in terms of defence that, um, you know, there's uh, there's work going on to uh, take that back to the you know, type of defence that we that we want to see. Um, and, you um, know, as we saw uh, much more of during restart, and Stuart, you talked a little bit about what we're trying to do from an attack perspective. In terms of the here and now, we're you know, it's an unusual season because of the late start from COVID. So uh, we're seven games in in terms of premiership. Uh, we're one third of the way through. Our immediate challenge is this next third uh, during the Six Nations window. Can you just talk a little bit around the focus over the over these weeks and this next third of the season during the Six Nations, and then you know, and then you know, look ahead to um, what we're looking for for the for the season overall. But if you start maybe the next the next third of the season during the international window.
1: Yeah, sure. So. Um... As we as we approach a season there's always you know there's always overlap in the in our seasons at the moment um this year is obviously considerably more than we normally would have um because of the COVID disruption and and when we started and all those sorts of things so um it wasn't until kind of right up right until the, right before the start of the season that we actually knew exactly when the overlaps were um yeah and it's obviously it's big for us we lose a lot of players but um during this period now it's about um first and foremost those um the bits we talked about around defense um shoring up that defense and then continuing to build on our game what's really important is that you don't um you obviously have to go from week to week there's nine games in a row um during those weeks you have to a you have to tactically prepare for the opposition um but b you have to continually develop your game alongside that is is managing the the group of players it's about uh, managing their emotion, their energy into the game. So um, the weeks, they, they have to be. There has to be a consistency in the weeks, which has been a, a struggle with um, COVID testing and um, you know results that didn't go our way uh, with regard to COVID testing, shutdowns, lockdowns, all the other things. So you know we, we we're trying to find that stability in what we do, and developing our game is a big part of that. Uh, as we came out of Bristol, we obviously looked at the things we did wrong and what we could have done better, but also keep developing our game. And um, obviously, the, the D is is a big part of that. And um, once we get that, we know we'll get the ball back more to attack from in transition, which is something we were, you know, we scored fifteen tries in that regard at um, the back end of last year. So it's something we know we
0: can do: force the ball back, get the ball back, um, and score tries. Thank you, and I'll turn to our players. I'll turn to you, Rory. Um... Hair's looking good um, for the event, um, Rory. You, you've been a, uh, you are a key member of our leadership group, um, and you know the. We've obviously been talking with, with Stuart and the Hats. The role of the coaches is obviously a really um, key role for the players, and particularly our senior players, in terms of uh, everything that we want to achieve. Can you talk a little bit about your role in the leadership group and? The accountability that that you and the leadership group term, feel in terms of our performance and delivering performances, um, particularly as we head into Saturday in this next third of the season. Yeah, um, I guess firstly you're, like, on, you're on. Oh, oh there on. we
3: go. Yeah, ready. <laughs> um, I guess firstly we're you know you look back on Friday night and we're as players you know we're seriously gutted about the result and it's you know for us it's the biggest game of the season it's it's our derby it's our closest rivals and um yeah we were seriously gutted and i think uh you know as players we take full accountability of those performances on the pitch you know at the end of the day we're the ones on the pitch um in control of what's happening in that 80 minutes everything else in the week's obviously helps along by coaches but those 80 minutes it's down to us and we've got to take control of that and and you know that's that's where we take accountability for those performances. Um, I think as a group, you know, we, as a leadership group, we're there to to help make the club as, as successful as possible. Um, you know, we want to get to that point where uh, people across the club can challenge anyone, um, whatever their role is, to make the club a better place and ultimately ultimately, to get the best results at the weekend. Um, I think at the moment, you know, the, the set of the group is, I think, is is very special that like we've got a lot of diversity in terms of people that have come from a lot of different backgrounds in rugby you know you've got internationals you've got future internationals and you've got guys there um that have been in the prem or had different pathways to that professional rugby now and a lot of life experience behind them and you know i think it can be you know it can be really special and we're, we're pushing you know to get those best performances as possible um and we know we've got a lot of work to do at the moment um Josh, we
0: we heard a lot from Stuart and Hats around uh, our game, um, talking about some uh, priorities around um, defence and, and some fixes there. One of the frustrations has been games where we seem to uh, to start well and get a points advantage on, on the board, fourteen points up at Welford Road, thirteen points uh, here in Bath at the Wreck against Wasps, but then we struggle to maintain and build pressure letting teams back into the game or we've given momentum away quickly so at restart after scoring. Is that something that you've looked at with the leadership group and um what you know, what, what have you been discussing as a group in terms of addressing that?
4: Yeah definitely it is something we're sort of very aware of and and something that that we as leaders have, have looked at um over the last couple of weekends and had a. Some sort of tough looks at ourselves, um, and and sort of try to to move forward in a way that's going to going to benefit the team and, and going to shore up that defence. Um, I guess the the most disappointing things is like Hat said earlier. He touched on the um, the transition uh, defence, which which just hasn't been good enough. Um, I guess the frustrating thing is we we know we can do it. We've shown we can do it, um, but. There's just key, sort of key key moments at the moment where we're um, we're switching off, um, or, or for for whatever reason um, we're being broken, and, and it's incredibly hard in a in a competition like the Premiership um, to sort of regain that advantage uh, once you you've had a line break, for example. Um, but but absolutely, it's something that we we've been working incredibly hard on um, as a leadership group. Um, and we're, we're sort of implementing that into training at the moment, as as Hats alluded to.
0: Yeah, thank you.
4: And Rory,
0: a few weeks back, I think it was before the Wasps game, that BT focused on some media comments from Cam around the connection between the forwards and the backs. Um, obviously, that's why we had to have a forward and a back on here tonight. I th- I think they made more of the comments than Cam intended. But can you just talk a little bit about this? Because it was... it was a point they were saying can you just talk a little bit about how connected are we how does training work in terms of the focus between units work connecting the backs and forwards obviously building up towards uh, a game at the weekend
3: i think it's um i think it's just important knowing um and everyone in their positions across the pitch knowing how important um a knock-on effect it is from doing your role um whether whether there's, say, two forwards at the line, and they're taking short balls off 10, if the back out behind them is not animated and not moving, then it's just two forwards running into a brick wall. You've got to do your role right, however small it is, uh, to help everyone else around there. Um, we talk about the set piece and stuff, and, you know, when we have a good set piece, the backs have more space to play in because the other team's more focused on them going backwards in that scrum or more. So, um, I think that, you know, on the pitch, there's connections, but also off the pitch connections on probably more of an emotional level with your teammates. It massively helps. I think knowing how to talk to your teammates on the pitch in those heated moments is probably very important. I think um, you could probably be obvious from the outside that how I speak, speak to Tom Dunn pre-match is very different to how I speak to Reese Priestman. And, uh, you know, they get... Give us examples. <laughs> No. <laughs> they get ticking in different ways. Danny's obviously a very emotional player, loves the uh you know, loves the graph, loves getting physical. Reese is obviously much more methodical in his position and he's gotta remain calm and cool headed in those uh sort of those heated times. So yeah, I, I think obviously those connections in terms of rugby relations but uh also off the pitch is massively important um for
0: success. And Rory staying with you for a minute. I mean you, you talked there a little bit about attack. we uh, we love watching you score a lot of tries in 2019-20. Um, I think more than half of that. I think there's about 11 tries, half of those and more than half of those in, in restart. Clearly, we'd love to see you um, and all of our backs scoring freely again. What are the most important parts of our game that we can uh, deliver to, to be able to see that happen?
3: I think any winger will tell you. I think they that when a team's going well, the wingers normally score tries. Um, I think, you know, the work that we did after restart um, around the, the insides and the middle of the pitch freed up that space on the edge. And, you know, it's a lot of unseen work, whether it's it's the smallest of lines from a forward that's just got one of their defenders to bite in, suddenly gives us five or 10 metres on the edge um so it's you know we're 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 trying to get there and as obviously as a winger i want to touch the ball as many times in the game as possible um and i love scoring tries um so it's just yeah you know it is a team effort you can't just you can't win it on your own you can't uh try and control the game uh just on your own you need to rely on your teammates and you know when we're all in sync and we're all doing our roles then you know we all thrive off it and yeah, I score, and it's it's great for the team as well. <laughs> Selfless, um,
0: Stuart. We we talked there about the here and now. Um, we've talked about areas of focus, um, particularly around defence. there that we talked about what everyone wants to see is great attacking rugby, as Matt said. It's in the DNA. We want to see the ball in the hands of our brilliant backline. Can you just can you just talk a little bit more about our attacking game? how we develop it where you where hats where, where we want to take that going forward over this season and beyond
1: yeah of course um, it's you know it's, it's a big area of the game that we want to develop um, it's an area of the game which all the lads are excited about doing like people want their hands in the ball people want to be running into space um, and you know there's there's numerous ways to do that one of them is off as we talked about turnover off kick counter um, and then just off off phase play so Um, we do put emphasis on that. And and sometimes, you know, these things, are um, you know, that rugby can be very complex. It can also be, be very simple. Um, and what, you know, we talk about in training, we talk about hitting the ball. So we want, you know, we want to develop our ability to run onto the ball from depth, run into space. Um, when you do that, you can, you can then go through tackles, offload the ball, um, and, you know, and and get the momentum building. Um, premiership defenses are strong, but we know that it's, you know it's difficult to break down Premiership defences um, if you don't make those early, you know, early spate like early runs into space. We've been guilty sometimes of getting too flat, getting on top of the ball too much. And um, when we do that, when we do get some depth, when we do hit the ball, we can really, um, you know, we can start to cause defences um, real issues. And I think that's um, you know, there's a, there's a few people I can see from the, from the questions popping up around. When we played against bristol and the energy and and you know questions like that which i understand when you watch the game you 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 can see that energy but um when you're defending you know it's hard work so um the more we can develop this and make sure we're hitting the ball and hitting spaces we keep energy in our game and allow us to really attack with with some venom when we do get the ball
0: and if i final question summarizing so there's something around creating space and there's something around exploiting space and you know, if you created it, you can exploit it. If you don't create it, it's, it's harder to exploit. What's the, what's the win for us? Is, are we creating that space? We just, that piece around exploiting it isn't quite there. That's the bit to click. Or, or is it, you know, is it, is, is, is it both of those in terms of that space that we're um, trying to create to be able to attack with the ball in hand? Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's always going to be a balance.
1: And, um, you know, there's a, you know, at our best, we create good space. Um, we've got some very dominant ball carriers with Benno, with Will Stewart, Dunny, um, tolupe the, These guys are very dominant ball carriers and they do create space and they do suck in defenders. Um, and When they do, the, the key to the premiership is that, you know the, it might sound simplistic, but the more space you can create, the easier it is to exploit it. It's easier to see, it's easier to get the ball there and it's easier to get into it. So, um, yes, you want to create as much space as possible. When you can do that, it's about then the execution to exploit it and, and, and get through the holes.
0: Right. Thank you. So we'll turn to the floor now. So we've got, um, we've had 90 questions. So I think we're going to have to extend the timing of this event for uh, two or three hours. Um, but Jojo, I'll hand over to you. Hopefully you've had a chance to look through them and, and just for um, everyone who's connected in, we, If your question doesn't get asked out it's we're focusing on questions around our game if it's questions around squad recruitment then we'll pick that up at the end of the next uh, section jojo over to you
5: yes hello everybody um so quite a lot of your questions have actually i think been answered around our game um but there were a few which i picked out which i will ask to the panel um so one from ken trowbridge Um, when you reviewed the performance of the Worcester game what were important takeouts from that match i imagine um oops you'd probably be the best person to answer this one
1: yeah i think the the important thing for us in that game was um obviously there was we lost um if you remember we lost reese who was playing 10 for us and then we lost josh matavesi who was our backup 10. so cam stepped up and went to 10. Um, i think there you ended up on the wing didn't you rocco was in the center um but but the game against worcester was you know that we we applied pressure well like it was it wasn't the prettiest of games we we applied pressure well um and we didn't let them out their half so um our our kicking game was strong even with with the tens off the field and our our chase game was strong and if you remember at the the back end of that game we showed some um fantastic scramble defense as well to get back so that there was a that, that that was a that was a, a obviously an important win for us but a big win for us on the road um, and the lads learned you know quite a lot about themselves about how they can adapt and and, and play in different positions and um, yeah it was a it was it was a strong performance all round
0: sorry i'm just going <laughs> i'm i'm just building on what you said there because it's um interesting that ken picked that game out so that was the game as you said we had 10 we had backup 10 taken out on friday night um josh and stuckey um, obviously went off ipr hia um josh bayless not to call you out you know we were in terms of line out callers um you know that was pretty unprecedented like how to what to what extent are these sorts of scenarios do you game them before matches or or are these things events incidences that you, you 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 have to learn to adapt to in in the moment uh, that's Stuart
1: or Hats. Uh, I'll start, but I'll pass on to Hats. Like I've been I've been involved in the in the game for twenty or twenty-one years professionally, and I've never we've never got down to our fourth line out quarter in a game. Um I don't know about hats, but um yeah, we to get down to the fourth line-out quarter is pretty unprecedented, I would say, hats.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we try and put those scenarios into training. We thought probably after the Worcester game um that we wouldn't we wouldn't maybe experience something um as severe as that um but that got tested again obviously um in, in Bristol uh you know with losing both lineup callers losing Rory um and then you know for Josh Bayless to play the way he did step up play in the second row Mike Williams who's who's a six who's played a bit in the second row to come on and call um when Bayer unfortunately got a yellow card you know we, we've got people in different roles they making calls so I, I think talking we, we try and get that across in training about adaptation um, because the game isn't just all about structure anymore. It, it tends to break up and, and people have to be flexible, particularly for us. You know, we, we know it's interesting. I'm just looking at some of the comments on the side here. You know, we we want our players to play for England. Like as a club, we want to be able... We want players to experience doing well for their club. So someone like Will Stewart, who came to us as a fourth-choice title at Was. And has worked his way up in a space of 18 months on 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 you know on, on work that he's done at the club and coaches done at the club to be playing for England. That for us is a success story. Um, someone like Charlie Yulz who comes through the academy and plays for England. We want players to play for England. So you know the, the the next task for us is to make sure that the depth of the squad is is um is is capable of dealing with having those players away. You know because we want they will be away. We want our players to play international rugby. So when those guys go away, we've got to keep building up on that depth of the squad to make sure that we can handle having those players away.
0: I mean, to be fair, Neil, as well, I mean, I do think the other point this season is obviously um, extraordinary or, or exceptional in the number of overlaps. We've got 11 overlaps. Um, and, um, you know, if that was the norm, then we'd have a different recruitment policy. It's not the norm and it won't be. We'll come on to that. Um, Sorry, Jojo, I hijacked you. Um, back to the floor, please.
5: Yeah, no, sounds great. Um, so we also had another question on the similar line um, from BT, um, no actual full name, but he asked, um, he or she asked, lots of negative things we can take away from Friday, but what is one positive thing you've taken away from the Bristol game? I guess we'll ask Hats that.
2: You know, it was one of those games, there wasn't a tremendous amount of potters to take from it, to be brutally honest. Um, I thought that that period, sort of straight off to half time, we conceded two tries and then 30 minutes uh, for, for the next 30 minutes. Um, I saw from players, you know, from some of the young players coming through the squad. Um, and you know, I'm not going to shy away from naming them. I, I think Josh, who's on the call, uh, Miles Reed, people like that, there's some, some big performances personally from individuals. Um, who stood up to stem the tide. So I think if you just completely look for negatives, there's always gonna be a hundred to find, even when we're winning, when we won eight out of nine, there's always negatives to find. Um, I've got to strike that balance. The other coaches have got to strike the balance of making sure that we don't just pick up on those. Those are important and we never ever paper over those cracks. Um, But, you know, we've, we've got to get these guys up to play another eight, nine games in a row. So I think some of the individual performances um, and and the way that the team dug in in certain moments, um, you know, I, I like I say, I'm, I'm pleased and I'm proud of, of tiny bits that were in there. Um, and I, I don't think that then goes to say we were pleased and proud of the performance. The performance was nowhere near the level that we expect. Um, and the players know that. The boys will tell you that. You know, there'll be no one more gutted, trust me, than them, than those 23, those 26 sitting in the change room. You know, you if you speak to Roy, if you speak to Bay, what the feeling was like on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, know it wasn't the end of the world but it clearly felt like it up until monday until we can get back into as a group um and start start you know addressing those points and moving forward
5: great stuff um and then the final one on our game um from nigel hills and i think um, we can ask rory um this question um how do you how are you coached for decision making on whether to kick possession away or not
3: Um, it's, you know, it's all, it's not certain pictures that you see all the time. It's definitely about a feel of things. I think, uh, you know, we, we've got to read the pitch and we've got to read what kind of pressure we're in. Um, a lot of the times if we're going backwards and we're trying to carry, we try and carry like a lot of teams you'll see, we'll try and play out of trouble and actually end up in more trouble. So we've got to realize where we are on the pitch and you know, what the context of the game is. There'd be no point going 10, 15 phases in our own 22 and then still trying to play out like we've, we've got a kick then. And we've got to realise also to play to our strengths. You know, we we do have good kickers in our team. We've got Reese obviously at 10, um, but we've got a lot of good kicking nines. And, you know, as wingers, we've alluded to it, like we've got a lot of big uh, big boys on the wing and big fast boys. So using that box kick to our advantage and putting pressure on people, which we did really well after restart. And, you know, we've probably gone away from that. And that's probably down to our own. Um, probably not training it as well as we can as individuals and not working on it as well as we can. Uh, but as soon as we get back to that accuracy of kick and you know the desire of that chase to get the ball back, I think that's you know they're the they're the good times to kick and build. It's another way of building pressure on teams. I think if you go, you look further down the field into sort of the opposition, sort of 22 or 30 or 40 meters out. Obviously, we want to hold the ball um, and we want to score tries that way. But if teams end up having one in the backfield and we see a way of putting pressure on them is by putting it in behind or dribbling it into sort of the five metre into touch and backing our line out to put as much pressure on as possible, then we feel that would be the best way. Uh, there's definitely not a set uh, set areas in the pitch that we, we will always kick from. Uh, we've always got to have a look at the pitch and have a look at the picture that we've got and you know, and be good rugby players at the end of the day and make good decisions. Thank so,
5: that's all the questions from that section, which I um, don't think were answered by the previous um, discussion.
0: Thank you, JoJ. Right. Um, Section two, we'll talk a bit about our squad and pathway. And Stuart, I'll I'll start with you. And I'm going to start with the longer term here. We have a long term plan for our squad, senior squad, and that includes the pathway that's set out in detail for five years but the principles extend out beyond that can you paint a picture of the squad that we have and that you want to continue building
1: yeah of course um i think there's a number of um there's a number of factors that go into building a squad over that period of time Um, so one of them obviously is is Playing numbers, so for, for each position, you know, you, across a season, you've got to have a certain number of people. You've got to have a depth chart that shows you when so and so is away with England or so and so is injured, you can still compete. So we have depth charts across the positions. Um, it's, it's really important then to have not only positions but, but attributes. And the best way uh, to describe that is if you think about uh, second rows. So you need one that can call a line out, and generally one who's uh, who's a kind of um more of a um the grunt man if you like does the work uh, the scrummager, the mauler so one big guy one line out guy so there's, there's attributes it's not you can't just have um you can't just have position it's got to be attributes as well um so that's another factor and then that has to be aligned with obviously the big one which is the salary cap um and so there has to be a plan across a number of years around the salary cap, around people you'd want to bring in, but also players that you want to promote from within the squad and players that will um, inevitably go on and outperform the contracts they're on and, and earn more money. Um, within that, you have to also factor in players leaving um, and the reasons why they may leave. It may be for game time opportunity elsewhere. It may be for more money. Um, and what we try to do is to plot that over, obviously, a, a decent length of time and um, and, and importantly, the whole thing has to be combined with where we want the game to go. So we, we have to be looking at who we can sign, who we can bring in, that will allow us to to really push and develop our game. So it's a pretty comprehensive piece of work. Um, lots goes into it. And, you know, the, the planning that's gone into it um, so far up until this point, the squad we've put together um, has been outstanding. The acquisitions of players from different um, from different competitions like Raw sat there now who, who came to us from the sevens competition Will Muir has done the same uh, players who've come to us from Championship Rugby, Christian Judge players who've come through the pathway like Josh sat here now um, th- there's different routes into our squad um, and obviously you add to that what we would call the more high profile signings from leagues around the world like Yako, who you've seen this week from Super Rugby so um, yeah that that's, um, that's kind of weaved and, and planned and, um, and executed and, and, um, and reviewed as well. So if there's somebody we wanted to get and we don't get them, you know, I want to understand why. If there's players that we lose that we don't want to lose, I want to understand why. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty full-on process and one which um, is really important for the club and, and, and particularly um, with the, you know, with the cap you know you've got to be you've really got to be on it and you've got to make sure that you're spending the money very wisely um somebody asked me about it the other day i think it was um one of my kids was talking to me about how you how you put the squad together and and what you think about it that the easiest way i could describe it was like if you um because there's, there's lots of agents in the game and they'll send you you know players after players after players and um it's really important that you, you, you can't be too reactive to those things so it's a bit like if you go to the supermarket and you're starving and you don't know what you want you end up spending loads of money and getting home and actually you haven't got the best meal uh, you just got a load of stuff that you eat and it might satisfy your needs for a couple of minutes but um doesn't do you for the whole week so it's really important to go into that supermarket with a shopping list of exactly what you want spend your money wisely go home and um you know create something special so um yeah the squad is the squad is is well mapped out is well thought out and um obviously there's going to be more developments this year and um and beyond
0: hats can you maybe talk a little bit um in more detail around our squad in terms of key strengths and areas of development i'll start with the i'll start with our pack and how complete is our pack in your view what sort of a pact you want in terms of attributes are there any areas that you would like to develop further you you know it's easy to look around we look at you know maybe jack willis at wasps he's been high profile the turnovers that he gets you know are there any areas of the game that um that you that you'd really like to develop on top of where we're at now as well so um yeah how complete is the pack what do you want it to be like and what are the key areas of development with that group
2: I, i don't think it's ever complete um, I, you know the, the way that the game's gone is becoming more and more of a power game. Um, you know, so we're looking at uh, we look at our our, our our sort of our front row at full strength. We feel that we've got good power there. Um, you know, with Boise Beno, Tom Dunn, Will Stewart. Obviously, um, we're we're in the market. You know, we're looking for for certain positions. So you you know some of the people that are leaving. Um, you know, tight head second row. And we need to make sure that we have a really um, a combative, not com- just competitive, but a combative um, forward pack. You know, so we 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 see that the way the game's gone with with turnovers um, and transition are hard it is to defend. So we've got Josh and Miles who who add value there. You know, to replace someone like Flo is always going to be unbelievably hard. Um, that's something that Yaku brings. So Yaku Coutier is. Is not just a, a carry option for us, but he's very, very effective over the ball as well. Um, still young. That obviously with Josh Miles, um, and that's a skill that we're trying to build up there. So that that for me, that pack never looks complete. Um, it's always, it's always we're always trying to improve it. We're always trying to get it better. Um, so I think adding players with a real nasty edge um, is is going to be massively important for us. So combative players, particularly tight. Uh, Sorry, tight headed second row. Yeah, and and in terms
0: of our backs, can you just talk a little bit about our composition there now? And obviously, like Ben Spencer, big impact since he's joined, and and Cam Redpath, um, um, uh, depending on your position. Unfortunately, going for Scotland, not for England. Yeah. Um, but um, but talk about our composition. What did, what impact have Ben and Cam had and. Um, you know, how how can we get more out of our uh, talented, powerful runners like Rocco and Joe?
2: Um, I, I think they've had massive impact. You know, Ben's one of the better nines in the country. Um, you know, my previous job, he, he's, he's been involved in international rugby. He's been involved, um, obviously, with Saracens when they were flying. Um, and he's got good experience. So he's played a lot of big games. Um, and he's been outstanding, you know, not just on the pitch, but what he brings off the pitch as well. Someone like Cam, you know, people forget, Cam's probably played more games since he joined Bath than he'd had ever in the Premiership. You know, Cam, mm. for all intents and purposes, is an exceptionally young man. You know, he's he's 21, 22 years old. Um, he's playing international rugby now. So guys like him are hugely important for the way we want to play. Um, you know, we're, it's not just to get a, a massive big 12 who hits the ball up. You know, that that's gonna work for a while. Um, you know, like Stuart spoke about earlier, is, is how we want to try and play the game. We've got big wingers out wide. You know, the profile that we're trying to build there, people like Will Muir, people like Alex Gray, Rocco, um, you know, Joe Cock and Asiga. We, we want these players ball in hand, and that's that's where we're building to. So having people like Cam, you know, not not just physical players, but players who can distribute is massively important. Um, you know, we've got young guys like Max Ajomo, who, who's who's pushing hard and he's developed massively over the last six to eight months, on the back of um of the work that he does with Ben, on the back of the work that he does with Cam. Um, so look, these these players all have a huge role in in not just um adding value to the squad and, and changing how we want to play, um, but to how they help develop the younger players in the group as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, and we'll um we'll talk a, a little bit that uh, about that in a minute, Stuart. The our, our supporters are understandably always massively interested in players coming in and players leaving. What does this mean about our game and um I'm really sorry everyone. this isn't the moment where I drop a massive announcement into um into the meeting here but but Stuart it it sometimes feels like news is in the public domain before it's officially confirmed or denied. We had um Maud altrad is no uh uh, not known for being shy, speaking to the Sunday Mail about Zach, and and then we didn't officially comment until the start of this week. W- what can you say about player recruitment for 21 22, and also what impacts the timing of when we can make official statements?
1: Yeah, look, I I get that. I get that it must get really frustrating sometimes. I understand. Like you sat at home and you see things like that. Um, whether it's Neil Fizzler in the rugby paper or or whatever it is like the reality is i I'll be completely open with you like i I sit down with each and every player when their contract is up and whether we're going to keep them or not keep them so there's a there's a trust between us which needs to exist because I care massively about them like uh um I never want to do anything that puts them um, or the club in 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 any way uh vulnerable so my conversation with the players and you would have heard and seen from what zach said when he came out like we've spoken all the way through that situation but it's a conversation between me and zach and then if they want to involve their agent that's absolutely fine i'll talk to their agent as well but um morally i, I will have those conversations with a player before i'll go to the media and like i can't that that won't change unfortunately there's a lot of other people who don't have those same morals and they're willing to talk about things in the press before they've actually been officially done and um i you know i um i spend a lot of time building relationships and building trust with our players i'm not going to chuck that away by talking about things before they're comfortable with me talking about them so i think quite often this is seen as protective for the club reality is like uh, it can be on occasions but also it's about the players Like those guys have futures as well those guys have careers that they want to um go on and have and, and i have a responsibility to look after them as well as inform all of you great supporters what's going on but i assure you that once there's an agreement between myself the club and the player when we can talk about things we do because i get it i get it i get rumors are uh, it's good to listen to rumors and everyone enjoys a little bit of gossip but um we've got to look after the integrity of what we do and the relationship between me and the players is everything
2: Talking, sorry, Talking, can I just reinforce that? Like Mm, the transparency that we have with the players, you know, these are the guys, there's there's some of the comments on, um, you know, just just looking on the side here on um, players' trust and what players are able to do. Like, it's one of the most crucial things for us. Like the transparency that, and and Hoops has been brilliant at it, Um, you know, the transparency that we have within the squad when we can and, and when we do inform them. Is as soon as possible. You know, our, yeah. our duty is is to is to massively make sure that, like like Stuart said that we we help look after their best interests um, and do what's best for them moving forward, whether it's players coming in or players leaving.
0: Well, yeah, and no, I and actually I'll, I'll sort of jump uh, ahead a little bit, and I'll well, I'll give you this will be a question for either Josh or Rory. I'll let you fight it out, but just that question of trust. So back in june last year there was we were obviously in the midst of first lockdown and rugby was you know we were trying to restart rugby didn't know exactly how it was going to happen There were changes in the salary cap rules we went through recontracting through that whole period one of the yeah you know, i'm really proud of how we showed up as a club in terms of you know we took leaps and bounds forwards i think in terms of just the honesty how we dealt with everything the recontracting the communication and you know, I was speaking a lot with Charlie, we was speaking with other players, Josh or Rory, I'll let you choose. That point around trust, it, there was a really important time through everything that was going on that was incredibly tough. It felt like a really important time for the club, for the for the playing group. And you know, it only takes a moment to, to undermine trust. So to Hatz's point, it's so important to continually reinforce it. Can you just talk a little bit, you know, from a player's perspective in terms of, you know the environment, that sense of okay, there's a t- togetherness among the players, but you know that broader sense of trust within the club and within the environment, not just within the playing group.
4: Yeah, no, I'd, I'm happy to, to give it a go. It's um, is vital, um, and I think we're we're very lucky um, at Bath to have guys like like Hoops and Hats and yourself, Tarquin, who um, who make it very clear from the start that. Any questions, any queries, anything um, that we as players are worried about, we we go straight to them, and and we know we're going to get um, a, an honest answer, uh, and that's the most significant thing, and that's um, what sort of develops a huge amount of trust between between coaches and players, um, and and like you said, you referenced the that point sort of between during that first lockdown. Um, when players all over the country didn't didn't really know what what was going on, um, and I mean I remember speaking to, to guys from other clubs who were um, who were in a real pickle and just didn't really know what was going on, um, and and as soon as you guys knew uh, what was happening, or um, or even if you didn't know, you you sort of kept kept in contact and, and made sure that, um, that that the players were happy and um, and that we knew we knew what you knew. Um, which I think for us is, is massive. Um, and I, I can't speak highly enough of, of how that's, uh, that was dealt with, um, and how trust, um, is dealt with at the club. I think it's, it's one of the, um, I mean, transparency is one of our key values and I think it's something that, that we live, um, we live every day. That's good. um,
0: That was an unprompted answer as well. um, (laughs) Money coming later, Josh, but, um, I mean, just one thing, because I, th- I think as well, there's a lot of speculation in the press around players and we can't respond and we, we're not going to respond to every rumour. I mean, there is one that I will just comment on, which Fissler in the rugby paper, who obviously not someone to ever let truth get in the way of a good story, um, talking about Anthony, JJ, Benno, it was complete nonsense. They're in contract this season and next. They're really committed, uh, absolutely bought into what we're doing. So I just mentioned that because that was getting ridiculous. There was no truth in that at all. Um, Stuart, I'll, I'll come to you. One of the other questions that gets asked about is injured players, and sometimes from a supporter perspective, where what you primarily see is the 80 minutes of the game. It can feel like a player disappears, and, and it's unclear what's going on, and you know they're still very much part of things. Obviously, it's different. For everyone at the club they're they're rehabbing they might they might be uh, doing some exercise around the some exercises around the on-field training we do not communicate players unavailable due to injury but but we can communicate more about selection and update our members and supporters on longer-term injuries and that's something we're going to do a little bit more can you just provide an overview on some of the longer-term injuries and how the guys are doing tom ellis for example he's we haven't seen him for a little while and you know one or two others obviously. Boise, um you know, tough for him. Can you just provide a bit of an overview on one or two of those long-term rehabbers?
1: Yeah, sure. I'll probably just, I'll probably just expand on that a bit, Tarquin, if you don't mind, because sure. um, uh, I think some people probably think that I do it just to be uh, obtuse or something. I, I generally, I, you know, the the reasons that I wouldn't talk about people who are kind of um, close to coming back is just to try and keep a competitive advantage. So, you know, if we're gonna, if we've got someone who could be available this week against quins what i don't want to do is in the media session that we've had today you know talk about them definitely being back because that can you know it can be a competitive advantage um what i think is important for you guys is that um i'm happy to talk about the guys who are out longer term and i'm sure we can you know there's there can be some some work they can do to feature a little bit of their rehab processes because some of them some of their rehab processes are kind of eight, nine months long in, in the worst cases. And, and, you know, they'll enjoy having a bit of engagement with supporters during that period as well. So um, we can talk about those. I think um, I'll talk about one specific thing. Some Sometimes clubs, um, they announce their teams, they announce their 23, and then they announce, um, they put like a list below it of the people who are unavailable due to injury. Um, my personal view on that is I, I don't think it's right because then... By process of elimination, you end up with a list of people who just aren't picked. Um, so from an internal perspective for the players, like, okay, these guys are picked, these guys are injured, and, and these guys are, are just not picked. Um, again, those things are things that we have conversa- conversations about internally, um, not necessarily to release every week um, when it goes out to press. I think, when um, we've spoken about me talking a little bit more about selection and why I've picked the team I've picked, which, cool, I'm more than happy to do that. Um, and then long-term injuries. Yeah, we can, we can talk about them. So there's a few guys who you haven't seen for a while. Um, so, um, Tom Ellis, you didn't see since the back end of last year, he played well for us at the back end of last year. He had a minor surgery in the, in the short break that we did have. And he's probably, he's close to now full training and what, you know, full training is basically what it says on the tin. Like that means you can go out and you can, you can go flat out. Um, on the field in training and we normally look for about two weeks of that hats before we consider somebody for being selected
2: yeah especially um, for someone like tommy who's been out for the length and duration that he's been out um so yeah we've got to make sure we do right by him um so it looks like modified training to start off with then into full contact training so it could be anything depending on the individual Someone like war rory probably takes a week to get back um someone like Benno um you know, Josh McNally, people like that with, with similar sort of injuries, a little bit longer just to the position that they play and, and the work that we're asking them to do. But yeah, so yeah, Tommy, like I say, not too far away. Yeah, so Tommy's probably yeah, he's
1: probably a week or so away from being back in full training and then obviously as we said a couple of weeks back into games. Um, guys who are still out longer term, Boise, so he he had a knee surgery, so he's gonna be out um, you know, until till the back end of the season. Um, hence the reason we brought Jamie Batty in. Uh, Ross Batty uh, has had neck surgery, so he's he's still not not close to getting back to training. He's working hard with the physios. So these guys are in training. They're they're doing gym and they're doing stuff with the physios, all their rehab. Um, but they're not back on the field. Um, and then Will Spencer, um, who we saw um, enduring image of, of Will Spencer up at sale with his face wrapped up in a. In a bandage right across his nose. Um, oh, yeah, so, um, he's uh unfortunately had neck surgery as well, but he's not, it's not a, not a, as long term as a, as a, uh, Roscoe. So he's going to be, you know, he's probably, uh, four or five weeks away from getting back into the mix with full training. Um, but he's doing well, he's, he's in a good spot, and, um, yeah, he won't be, won't be too long.
0: Thanks, Joe. and yeah, just to confirm to everyone, we're, um, more later this month we were planning to start a regular piece to a camera from stuart um talking about team selection for the upcoming weekend and a bit more around um injuries not specifically around selection but a bit more information um and and content from those guys rehabbing so more on that to follow i am there's lots of questions i could ask but i'm very conscious of time so jojo i'll talk slowly i don't know how ready you are, if you'd like me to hit another question onto the panel, or uh, whether you're good to come in and take uh, present questions from the floor to the panel. Let's put her under pressure, let's go.
5: Let's go. I'm ready. Um, so we've ready. had lots, lots and lots of questions about the squad, um, so I've tried to um, pull as many that I don't think have already been answered um, to ask you now. Um, there's been a few questions about culture, um, a really nice Chris Davies um, saying he's really impressed with what he is picking up about the club culture and values from all of you. Um, and then there's been a few questions on culture, um, which I will ask. Um, so Mark, Martin Isaacs, Phil Wright, and David Oliver all asked about culture. What is the Bath Rugby culture? What are we doing to build it up? How are we um, using the emotion of the players and getting them all to connect to each other? So I think um, perhaps hoops. Do you want to take this one initially?
1: Uh, yeah, I can do. I'll I'll probably start answering it, and then I'll let the lads jump in a bit. Um, so uh, culture, like culture, something that people've written about for years, and you could you could talk about it forever. It, I think very simply, it means the way we do things. So the, the culture is is the way we do things, and you can aspire to um, to be a different culture to what you are, or um, or really put a label to it, but actually, it's, it's the way you do things. And, and the big things we, you know, the, the lads have mentioned around the the values. So um, we um, we we pride ourselves on being as competitive as we can in everything that we do. So that's training, uh, that's gym, all those things. So we've got we've got highly motivated um, young men as players, and we've also got highly motivated men and women as staff. Um, yeah we want we want to compete you know we want to be we want to be part of of a winning team both on the weekends and in our little mini bits and pieces through the week so um there's there's, there's competition um the other one we talk about is the unseen work so make the unseen scene but it's um it's about basically putting in the work that not necessarily anybody sees but it reached the rewards um you know any anybody who's successful in any walk of life um, at any level is, is put work in. so we, we, we pride ourselves on putting that work in so when nobody's looking we'll get the job done. Um, and the last one which is is around transparency is around um, you know it, it's around an openness um, to, um, to challenge to be challenged um, and to you know to be as real as possible so conversations with players are real sometimes they're real saying you were awesome this weekend sometimes they're real saying you know that was way below what we expect and you're not playing but we we try to be real um and transparent with that um and all of that i guess we you know the way we talk about it is we we do it together so we're trying to be you know we're trying to be as close as we possibly can and um when when we know that at our best we you know we back each other up on and off the field, um, and that's what we aim to create with a with an environment where those values come to the fore. Um, we celebrate the individual, but we try and pull it together as a as a as a, as a
0: team. Hats can I link in with that? Um, so that connectedness, Stuart was talking about how much more of a challenge is that with we'll, we'll come and talk a bit about training preparation but um how much more of a challenge is that with all the impacts of covid protocols and the limitations on you know other than a contact training session you know, we have to be apart there's a limit in being together like how 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 are you going about building culture at a time when the protocols make it that much harder
2: yeah, it's probably harder than it's ever been. Um, but that's the challenge. You know, I think, you know, we, we come in in separate groups. So sometimes it's the backs, the backs come in, do weights, look at the video, look at the review, then they have to leave, and then forwards follow them in. Um, so even, you know, and that's not just us, that's everybody. So we, we know better or worse than other clubs, but um, it, it becomes harder. It becomes massively harder. Like for me, the, the culture is not something that you just develop. If it was that easy, everybody would do it um it's something that you develop over a period of time um it becomes you know those values aren't just words on a wall or or something that um you know that gets rolled out when it suits you or when when you've hit a tough patch all of a sudden you roll out you know your three values and you start talking about culture those are massively important when things are going well when they're not going well when when people have family members that are ill or, or they've had you know like tommy ellis um, you know, the, the birth of his of his you know, young baby uh, to him and, and his lovely partner. So those those are things that we grow and they have to grow organically. They can't be forced on us um, or forced on each other. And I actually think um, that's something that having been at this club when we were successful before in, the, in that 15, 16 season where people like Paul James, Hoops is a player, um, Pete Stringer, uh, you know, guys like this, Dominic Day, all older senior players, they, they brought young people along with them. And I think that's where we're starting to get to. We don't have as an experienced group, but we've got people like Rory, um, Josh Bayless, you know, guys that are are, are from from the city or living and around. Um, and they're starting to develop that culture. You know, they're starting to, to drive it forward. Not, not just, you know, like I said, world, sort of words on a wall, but how they act every day. You know, what they do, how they conduct themselves, on and off the pitch away from the club do they put the team at the center of everything um and that's where we're heading to you know and i, I can see that I, I see it every day um, i see the improvements that we make and sometimes it stalls you know sometimes you, it doesn't you you feel like you're making steps and it stalls for a bit and you might drop off a little bit and then it builds again you know and that's the that's the constant challenge with, with building something that's sustainable at the club so when people walk in you know, it becomes, you don't need to ask or be shown um, a sign on the wall as to what it is that, that makes your club different. Um, and I think I genuinely believe that that's where we're heading.
0: Yeah, nice. And Jojo, I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of time, but it's a popular topic. So, um, lots of questions. You. Yes. Um,
5: okay, so the next one is on squad selection. Um, and actually there was two questions on this Gabriel Council asked in relation to uh, in relation to the relationship between head coach and um, director of rugby who has the final decision on the selection of the match day 23 um, and Rob Jones also asked do the coaching team ever get challenged um, by the senior and international players on the team selection um,
1: um,
5: hats who, do you want to answer that one
1: Yeah, so I'll go first. Bit first, so um, yeah, I have final say on selection. It's my final decision, Um, but obviously input from the coaches and 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 hats like we talk about it a lot is is a big part of the week. Um, It's a big part of a season. I think if you go back to um, to restart rugby, there was you know that was an intense period of selection Um, hats. It seemed like it's all you know we talked about it an awful lot. Monday games you know, Saturday games, Wednesday games, you can play this person, you can't play that person. And um, yes, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's got to be uh, something which is high on the agenda every week. So Hats and I talk about it a lot, but, um, and we have some pretty robust debates amongst the coaches. Um, the second part was about senior players.
5: Yes. If there's any challenge on selection or if they get any, have any input. Uh, I
2: think, yeah, go ahead. So, so then like, it's not just from senior players so you know we we have we have some of the younger players in the squad as well and and we like i think we've got a real issue if if i don't have players coming knocking on the door i want to know why not you know because they should all be um you know within reason they should all be knocking on the door what do i have to do and i think at the moment we're, we're you know the group's pretty good for that so the the senior player group that we've got um they've they've improved massively um you know some of the work that gets done by by katie Warren and joe dixon um building them up not just uh, leading players on the pitch but how they grow the squad how they how they grow themselves as people and then how they help grow the squad so that happens regularly you know i have i've had phone calls from ant over the last week you know what is it looking like what do you think um and we encourage these you know we're we're not, a, we're not a coaching group that, that sort of knocks that away. We want that debate. You know, we want those questions to come um, because every now and then there's things that, that you see that they don't or that they see that you don't. Um, so it's important. Yeah, we get we get challenged fairly regularly. You know, senior players who get told they're not getting picked, um, you know, they don't like it, and quite rightly so, and they come and knock on the door and demand to know why. Um, and what we can't just say is, well, we've just decided to go with this we need to be able to, to explain what it is that they're not doing or what it is more that we want from them. You know, so it's not just a case of you're not selected. Um, good luck next weekend. It's a case of you haven't been selected. This is why. This is where you need to get better. Um, and you saw post-lockdown people like Tom Ellis, who, who initially got dropped and fought his way back in. Mike Williams, Max Clark, people like that. These guys came in, asked the questions, got the answers. Proved a point appointed training um and got opportunity on the back of it
1: i think uh, just listening to hats it says it's so like two things that like, it's actually a big part of a selection meeting is like so we picked 23 players for the squad and, and another three four um like match day reserves so there's 26 there out of a squad of um 59 so all the, all the people who don't get picked, some of them are injured, but the ones who are not injured are not picked. Like we, we then have a conversation about them as to why they haven't been picked. Um, and we're very thorough with it because, as Matt says, when they come and ask the question, you, you've got to give them something which is tangible. There's nothing worse. I, I specifically remember as a young guy, I was playing at Saracens, and um, Wayne Shelford, the all-black legend, was the head coach, director of rugby then. And I was, only, I was only young, I was only 18, but I was playing a fair bit of rugby. And I thought i was playing really well and i didn't get picked for this game um i went to see him and i said uh just keen to understand why i'm not playing like what can i do in training next week and uh he looked at me and he said um you just not picked this week because craig yandel who's the other second row craig yandel is taller than you and i was like oh shit. how am i going to grow three inches in a week so as a as a coaching team like we make a lot of effort to actually Tell people why they're not getting picked and what they can do to get picked sometimes it's not that simple but you know you try try and let people know why they're not picked
5: great i'll crack on with a few other questions then um uh, quite a few questions about the wider squad um and we've obviously mentioned um players like um coming from different pathways and with that in mind um gabriel council and sam goldfinch both asked about will muir and Alex Gray, and when we're likely to potentially see them in action.
1: Two Sevens boys, Rory's just lit up in the background there. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, So those guys, yeah, from from the Sevens program, um, they kind of, you know, I think, you know, I I will talk about Rory's there, but I'll try and mute him somehow. Um, Rory obviously came in, great attitude. Um, We'd seen that before he came here, great capacity to train. Um, and the ability to get better, like from coming into a 15s program and getting picked to go to a World Cup in 18 months, phenomenal. Um, so when when we had the opportunity to look at Will and Alex, it, it was, um, Rory and I did talk about them. We did talk about what they could add to the game and what he saw from them. And I think it's, um, you know, I think it's credit to Rory's selfless nature that those two guys are, you know, they're also back three players, but he was very, very um, effusive about what they could bring and how that they could they could develop in the system the same way that he did. Um, and and they have, you know, they have, they've impressed since they've been in. And those guys are yeah, they're there or thereabouts. They'll be up for selection this weekend. Um and uh yeah not too far away at all is the answer to that one, Jojo. Great
5: stuff. And then with regards to academy players and young members um of the first team squad like orlando bailey and max ajomo obviously hats you've mentioned them already but um how are we looking to give them experience at the highest level in premiership games
2: um i I think what's important i know you know we myself and should have sat down with orlando this week um you know he's going to be a very very good player for this club as is max um, it's important, though, that we give them the best opportunity to succeed. So it's not just a case of, of flicking them in. You know, if you look this year, we, we you know, Ethan Staddon got capped as an 18-year-old. You know, Miles, Josh. I, I think we're, we're pretty good at at when we give these guys opportunity, but it needs to be under the right circumstances. So you know, it's not just a case of right. There's nobody else fit. Any goes, or this is a game that maybe not as important. Any goes. We need to make sure that we've given him the best opportunity to experience um, a great first experience, if that makes sense. So someone like Orlando, we need to make sure he's putting himself in a position where not necessarily comfortable, because he won't ever be comfortable playing, is who do we surround him with? What are the ideal games? Is it a home game? Is it an away game? How do we give him that sort of experience that's going to allow him to grow? Um, That's going to test him um that is going to put him under the right amount of pressure so look these guys are are working extremely hard and it's it's also what they do in training so for young players they need to understand that they don't have one good training session and earn an opportunity it's about the consistency of how they train the consistency of what they do away from the club um you know hoops has already alluded to one of our values of the unseen scene that's something that max ajamo has really taken on board since we got back this season you know he's changed his body um, and he, he's worked his nuts off to be quite honest to, to start putting himself in a position where he can challenge more seriously as a player. Um, so we want to reward all of those actions, um, and not just you know throwing someone in because it, it, he, he does, he, you know, we think it might be right just to give him a crack. So we want to make sure we give them the best opportunity to do well.
0: And hats, uh, hats also, I think one of the other. Like what's been most visible is the competition format in terms of the primary competitions. But one of the other hidden costs, if you like, this season has been the impact on the developmental competitions. So Premiership Shield, actually for us, even at university level, the Bucks Super League with younger players in the championship. So when you, where you have a squad with a number of players that you're looking to develop and the best opportunity for development is game time. That has yeah. an impact. We saw Kieran; he got a chance to play over at Worcester in the European games. But Stu, hats—I don't know, you know either of you—that's you know that's obviously something that we're working hard to compensate for as well. So what we don't want is that this becomes a lost year in terms of development, which we don't think it will. But I think it's important just to recognise that impact as well.
1: Yeah, it's, it's massive, and I think um, we've actually—I'll uh, let Bay talk about it in a minute. But um, it's because obviously that that anything other than first team is not being played now so you know, Bay, i'll let you talk in a minute but you know the year that Bay, you know he goes from playing for millfield um to playing for bath under 18s to playing for um 2017 you played in the anglo-welsh cup didn't you that was your first game like even that competition is not there at the moment so so that that kind of pathway and that jump up is is really not there maybe maybe Bay, if you can talk through the different pathway teams that you've played for and how you got to that 2017 game it's It'll be quite obvious to see that this year that's a, a massive problem.
4: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I guess it, it's easy to see these these sort of young players, um, early twenties, late teens, playing in the Premiership and thinking they've sort of come straight from school um, and and come into into the professional environment and come straight to Premiership. And and sometimes, very rarely, that is the case. But but most of the time, it, it there's a, a few steps to um, to sort of go through that. Um, that most guys do have to sort of progress through um, before you're ready to to play in the Premiership because it's a it's a massive step up. I remember my first game in the Premiership, my first start in the Premiership. It was um, completely frenetic. I was all over the place. Um, it was way, way quicker, way more physical than, than anything I'd experienced before. And I guess um, having the opportunity, the, the A-League for me was massive. Um, I played... Sort of a couple games in my last year of school, um, and then at, at least sort of two good seasons in the A League, um, and then sort of dipped in and out of the, the Premiership um, Rugby Cup, um, which was again a step up from A League, but but still that step behind uh, sort of top flight rugby. Um, I was lucky enough as well to to go on loan to Clifton, who played in in Nat Two in my first year, um, so the third division um, of of English rugby, the fourth division even. Um, and just to get some experience in men's in men's rugby, and and obviously at the, at the moment um, I sort of look at the, the guys who've, who've just left school and um, sort of feel um, how hard it must be for them uh, with, without playing, uh, because that's ultimately the experience of, of playing in, in, in men's games is 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 what's going to sort of drive your development development on the most.
0: Um i'm going to build on hats comments about adaptability um, earlier on and i think this is such a there's so much interest around squad and around our people that we we've let the clock run on and what i'd suggest is there's just there's one so we've, we've got a, about seven or eight minutes left and then we need to let these guys go and and obviously they're busy in terms of getting ready preparing recovering ahead of the weekend game against Quinns there's one ask that I just need to articulate to to you our our members our supporters and then Jojo I'll hand back to you because you're doing a a brilliant job and questions on uh, squad but also if there is anything around training and preparation that you can you can put those to the panel but before that I need to please ask for your support in relation to the stadium development which as you know has been on an extended pause due to covid and what we need is we need your support to ensure that the principle of a new stadium for bath rugby continues to be enshrined in local planning policy so what's known as the local plan and that's currently under review so this principle has been enshrined since 2014 but people uh local but you don't actually have to be local anyone is able to comment and being asked for their views on this review of local planning policy. And we need to ensure that the voices of everyone who enjoys rugby and supports a new stadium at the Rec are heard. So this is a heads up, we'll be contacting you in the coming days with simple instructions on how you can email a supporting representation into the council's consultation process. It shouldn't even take five minutes of your time. And this is really important for a long-term stadium development at the REC, and the deadline's the 18th of February, so uh, in the next few days, uh, you'll be communicated to about that, It'll be straightforward, and please take a few minutes of your time to support. Um, so, Jojo, back for the final six or seven minutes or so. Chance for you there to dive into the questions, but it just seemed like there's some yeah. really hot topics, so let's keep it yeah, well our Yeah, there are a lot um, more yeah. questions
5: around um, recruitment which I will come back to. But I wanted to bring Rory into um, the, onto the panel again. And um, there's a question to Josh and Rory from Anand Shah. Um, in between games, what days are for recovery and what days do you train? What is involved in recovery and training? For example, are you expected to do heavy lifting midweek in between games?
3: Yeah, seeing as you put my screen up, so I, gotta, I will have to go first. <laughs> heavy, um, heavy lifting. Um, so yeah i put it down to simple we have Saturday to Saturday games our week, weekly schedule uh, will look like a Monday Tuesday Wednesday training day off Thursday Friday captains are on Saturday games so the days off will be around Thursday and Sundays um, normally in a non or pre-COVID era uh, we'd have access to the hot and cold baths at the club or Um, the fitness first at town where you can use the pool and different recovery facilities. So a lot of the boys used to meet up and there on the day off um, and sort of like do that and then go get some food together or something and just relax a bit. Uh, During the week in terms of the, the weight schedule, normally Monday and Tuesday we'll go after it in the gym. Um, Mondays will be lowers. uh, Tuesday will be upper body and Wednesday will be more of a power-based gym getting us ready for the weekend. Friday, we wouldn't, uh, just just a captain's run. Uh, but yeah, normally, I think our S&C coaches are really good with us in terms of the program they give us. And they're also, uh, they're, they're, they're humans as well. They're not just robots in terms of they don't just want you lifting heavy every single week. They appreciate if there's been a, a very high-intensity game with more collisions or more meters than any others. And they might take a few reps off if we're lucky, or lower the intensity of the lift that we're being given. Uh, But majority of the time, there's a, you know, there's a really good atmosphere in the gym. Uh, Boys like chasing PBs all the time. Uh, There's a bell in there for, for some of the guys to ring if they get a new PB. I think, you know, with horse coming in, Will Muir coming in from the sevens, we we're not. that bigger weightlifters in the sevens will have to get a few a few years to adapt to it. So he's hit a lot of PBs over the last few months, trying to get that 15s weight on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really good environment to be in, and uh, our you know our coaches really push us in there and and sort of uh, make it as competitive as and enjoyable as lifting weights can be.
5: Great stuff. Um, and then um, another question, which um, is um, to is around recruitment um and uh, lots of people are asking about homegrown um our homegrown um, ambition and um obviously recently um we've recruited some south african players and um scott mills um, richard carlons and matt workman are all asking about whether this is the, the, the route that we're going down or whether we're still um Standing true to our homegrown um, ambition, um, Henry Bate also asked about that as well.
1: Um, yeah, I can I can answer that. I think uh, it's, it's always um, like the, the homegrown side of things. Just to explain that if people don't understand what that actually means, it's it's people that are from the academy pathway. So we every academy has a geographic region, um, and ours is um, yeah ours is obviously uh not all of somerset actually we're kind of um east of the m5 um somerset and then we're um wiltshire um dorset um and a little bit of hampshire so um a homegrown players come from that area so they have to come from that area you can't get them from anywhere else so that's geographic um and we develop those guys in our academy um so that's the likes of of josh um the South African guys, and the question, I've seen a few about that, about the South African players. If you rewind to my conversation around how we build the squad, um, that was, you know, if I'm honest, lots of those guys are brought in because of the attributes they've got. Like, yakko has been brought in as a, he's a destructive ball carrier. Um, and traditionally, the pathway, the system that we have here, um, it doesn't bring those guys through. We, we bring through players who are more kind of agile, um, Guys like Josh, who are quicker and um, and can step, like Zach, um, those are more traditional sort of English pathway players. Um, so the South African guys were brought in on, on attributes. Um, and it's also a balance. Like we've obviously, um, we've got a very high proportion of English players. Um, we're above 90% English, EQP, we call it English qualified players. Um, so there's room in there for um you know some some players from overseas and, and the south african market at the moment is is a good one because of their their competition
0: i heard a chime uh from the church over the road i'm very conscious of very conscious of time and uh time flies there's so much more we could talk about but uh, these guys are you know and thank you very much hats Stuart, rory and um josh obviously very much focused on the weekend ahead so we are going to have to stick to time i will Ask one last question of each of you and uh i know everyone gets asked what you learned the most through covid so i won't ask that question i'll look forward versus looking back and just the simple one what are you most looking forward to about the year ahead before i name someone who's going to go first
1: whoever's screen
0: pops up
3: I sent a message to Alex on that one. <laughs> I'm not sure what I've done to Alex tonight. <laughs> um, I think as simple as getting back to the times where we have full stadiums, I think it's awesome. Um, I'll probably stole everyone's answer there, so unlucky. Um, uh, first, you know, getting the fans back in, getting you guys back in is incredible for us. I think perhaps before lock, uh, before restart i didn't appreciate how much it gives to you as a player and having that atmosphere in in the stadiums i think it's very although we've tried to learn to develop our own sort of excitement and our own um atmosphere within the squad when we're out there it's it's so hard to match it when you've got um you know thousands of home fans screaming out after you whenever you make a break or whenever uh, your team scores a try so it's yeah, it's definitely something I'm looking forward to. Rory, not only
0: do you uh, look good, you also speak good. I don't think anyone else could build on that. You've just won the hearts of middle-aged men across our supporter base. Um, but no, I'm um, I'm conscious of time, and I think we I know that you guys have uh, um, have to move on. Just uh, Josh, Rory, Stuart, hats. Thank you very much for your time this evening and obviously go well on Saturday against Quinns. In terms of uh, everyone at home, our members, your supporters, thank you so much for your support, Thank you so much for uh, logging on tonight. And as I said, uh, this is the first of many. Uh, we'll be communicating a lot more. and We really look forward to doing that and hopefully talking about good times and, and good performances as well. So massive thanks from all of us. And we wish you well. We wish you to stay
4: safe. Thank you thanks thank you thank you very much cheers cheers guys thank you